From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. I wonder if you have ever had what they called in my church growing up, a mountaintop experience. Maybe it was at a Bible study or at a worship service. Perhaps it was at a, at a bedside of someone who was gravely ill. Maybe it was in a church like this or at a time of prayer or at a conference. Right about now is where I'm actually tempted to uh, keep it safe as a preacher. But I want to be a little, a little more precise. And I have a low risk tolerance, so you don't get too excited. Um, uh, uh, um, a little risky for me. Um, I don't like surprises, right? There was a long time in my life where I wouldn't watch a movie before I read the Wikipedia article. So let's just set set your expectations here about what I count as risky. But um, I'm not just talking about going to church and having some experience where you get goosebumps and you go, really felt God today. Did you feel God today? Because I, I sure did. I'm talking about weirder stuff than that, okay? I don't know. I just kind of think like, if you're going to come down here to a church building on Sunday morning, uh, we might as well just go for it. So have you ever had one of those like weird mystical experiences? Okay, cool. Thank you. I'm talking about the kind that confuse you or that have challenged your assumptions about the way the modern world is supposed to work. I'm talking about those kinds of stories that you don't actually tell too many people about because you're afraid that if you do, they would be like, uh-huh. Well, that sounds like that was really something for you, buddy. Um, let's not do this again. <laughs> I'm talking about the kind of story that you could never prove in the same way that you could prove your maths, but in your heart, you know that it happened because it happened to you, even if you don't have a category for it. I'm talking about those, okay? The kind of story where for a very brief moment, the veil between what is visible and invisible gets pulled back and you get a little glimpse that something more must be going on in this weird world. You ever had at least one of those in your life? I have and to risk vulnerability without giving you all of the details. I remember being a kid and having a uh, going, we had a babysitter that night 
and I had a uh, I had a dream that <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this. Um, I had a dream that night that um, <laughs> God decided to have an open house for heaven. And I lived in a town of 8,000 people, and we had what's called a town square. And, you know, basically it was just like this roundabout that all the high schoolers would just, on Friday night, just do, do circles in. And if you've ever been in a small town in the Midwest, that's about all you have available to you to do um, that is uh, uh, reputable. So <clears throat> I had a dream that God sent a golden escalator down into our town square and did an open house uh, for heaven. And um, now in my dream world and in my real life, my grandma had cancer at the time and she was super at the church. So in my dream, I say to my mom, hey, we should go, you know, take Grandma Melba. She would, this, this is her back, right? <laughs> she would love this. And my mom says to me in my dream, well, um, Grandma's actually having chemo today. She can't go. Why don't you go and come back and tell us what you saw? There's a vocation story there. Um, so, so I ride up the golden escalator, and when I get up to the, the pearly gates, uh, my grandma is actually standing there at the pearly gates. And I try to get her attention, and she doesn't turn around. And the pearly gates open, a couple angels come out, pick her up, take her in, gates close. And I wake up, and my mom says, Hey, Jacob, uh, I'm telling you before I tell your brother and sister, we're all going to need to come downstairs. Grandma died last night. Now, this is way outside of how I normally preach. I don't ever tell stories, but I'm like so messed up by the transfiguration story this week that I thought I would risk vulnerability and just tell you about this weird story that I have that doesn't make sense. And if I try to, it doesn't even take a lot of effort. I can like retrofit a modern understanding into like why that makes sense. And I probably heard some conversation with my mom in the day about whatever but I'm gonna just try to risk vulnerability and just flag that and tag it as, sometimes the world is weirder than we have categories for. You with me? Okay. Well, today's gospel tells one of those weird stories that happens to Peter, James, and John. All of their categories for how life was supposed to work got flipped for a moment. In the past few Sundays, the epiphany that has come to us has come from Jesus' sermons on a mountain. But today is the final Sunday in the season Epiphany. And our final Epiphany also comes to us from a mountain. And in some ways, this story, they call it the story of transfiguration. This story of transfiguration is exactly what Peter, James, John, and frankly, you and I want encounters with Jesus to be like. The heavens rip open. Jesus is transfigured or transformed, elevated in a way. His face shines like the sun. His clothes dazzle with brilliant, blinding light. Moses is there. Elijah is there. It's like the law. and the, These are like two of the most elite of elite prophets. I don't know how they knew that it was Moses and Elijah, but it's very clear that they were the, them. A bright cloud envelops everyone. And basically they fall on their faces and they're like, yeah, this is kind of exactly what I thought an upfront face-to-face -face encounter with God was supposed to be like. Very weird and bizarre. But this weird story is not a long one. It's a brief epiphany. It is a temporary unveiling. It is a moment that invites wonder. 
from people like us who want explanations and tidy bows on everything. Especially when it comes to God, because that's serious now. And I've got questions and I frankly need answers. Stories like this really push back on our desire to be in control. Today, the season after the Epiphany comes to an end, and the major lesson of Epiphany is that God is the one who tells us who God is. A revelation is revealed. A revelation is unveiled. A revelation is disclosed. We didn't find God. God is finding us. That's the Epiphany. We don't make up the faith. The faith is making us. That's the epiphany. We didn't figure out all the questions. God is the one coming and asking questions of us. That's the epiphany. The epiphany is all about God showing us who God actually is. Now, if I were telling the story of the gospel, if I made the story up, it would probably end on the mountain of transfiguration. But I'm not, and it doesn't. Jesus does not stay on the mountain of transfiguration. The transfiguration mountain actually foreshadows another mountain. The mountain called the skull. Golgotha. The mountain on which Jesus would be put to death by the state. I wonder if you can hold both of these mountains in front of you simultaneously. James Cone calls this uh, the practice of bifocality. Holding both of these mountains in your mind and letting them mutually inform your understanding of the other. So on one mountain, you have Moses and Elijah on either side of Jesus. On another mountain, Jesus is flanked by violent insurrectionists. On one mountain, a bright cloud envelops everybody. And on another mountain, darkness covers the sky. On one mountain, a voice from the cloud says, this is my son. And on another mountain, the Roman centurion looks at Jesus crucified from a distance and says, quote, surely this one is the son. On one mountain, Jesus' clothes shine brilliantly. And on another mountain, Jesus is stripped naked while they gamble over his cloak. A mountain of glory and a mountain of shame. Or a mountain of glory, a mountain of shame. Do you see the epiphany as you behold both of these mountains? In them, God shows us who God actually is. Not our best guess come true. Not the labor of our hard work of figuring out all the little clues about the divine that God has sprinkled around the world. No, God telling us who God actually is. 
And this is the challenge of Epiphany. Are we really willing to let God be who God is? Are we really willing to be with a God that we don't get a chance to define for ourselves? Are we really willing to be with a God that we have no control over? If this mountain shows us a God who is God by the way he dies as a human, as John Bear suggests, then perhaps this mountain of transfiguration shows us who humanity is by the way that he is revealed to be God. That's transfiguration. Pulling back the curtain just for a moment, just a brief glimpse and seeing that something else is going on here, something weirder. That happens every time we baptize somebody. By the way, Easter Vigil is coming up. If you or someone in your household needs baptized, we do that here. <laughs> this happens every time you come to this altar and consume bread and wine. The veil gets pulled back and you have this little epiphany, this little opening and the point of the opening is not so that we can look in and get a glimpse. The point is that that little opening is God's way of coming through to get us. The season after the epiphany ends with Jesus taking us down off this mountain, leaving the mountaintop experience and following him where he leads us somewhere that we would frankly rather not go. We are now walking with Jesus between the mountain of transfiguration towards the mountain of crucifixion. The name for that walk between the mountains is what the church calls Lent. find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.